Hey, documentarians, Bob Sham here, introing you to yet another thrilling episode of The Documenteers. Tonight, or today, when whenever time of the day you're listening to this, Johnny returns. That means this documentary is going to be on the spiritualist side of things. We are discussing the film American Jedi by Lawrence Malachy, or Malachi. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name, but he's the guy who directed Brody's about the grown men who love My Little Pony. American Jedi, I believe, came out at the end of last year. You may have to rent it or, you know, I can't, if you stream things, I can't be held responsible for that. I rented it, but I'm not your dad. We have uh, an original theme song that you've heard, hopefully about 11 episodes, no, 12 episodes now. That original theme is created by A2, an old friend of mine. Thanks to A2 for contributing what is already out of the gate, one of my favorite parts of this podcast. Rate and review us on pretty much any app you have, but it certainly helps to rate and review us on iTunes. Give us five stars, spit, patooey, fuck stars, except for iTunes reviews, and I guess you're personal podcast app and give us a little review it could be anything make it quick just pop us in a review copy and paste a pancake recipe doesn't really matter but you give us five stars and you review us on your app any app and especially itunes that helps us out quite a bit and helps our podcast grow you can find us on social media at documenteers on instagram probably what i use the most we do have a twitter you can follow us on that too at documenteers on twitter if you just want to contact us privately, directly, we would love to hear suggestions. If you want to throw praise directly at me, you can go to documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us a line. Give us some suggestions. I think I actually remembered to say everything that time. Let's move on to the movie, American Jedi. May the docs with an X be with you, or rather... May the docs with an X serve you well. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Could you ever be a Jedi, do you think? I mean, I know what it is in Star Wars, the idea of it, but what is it practically? What do you actually do? You know, in our last episode, Jesus Camp, I talked about how that people who aren't ascribing to uh, religious movements are becoming the highest growing uh, way of religious thinking in America. Still not very high, but it's number two. So it's very, it's becoming, it's growing more and more. The fastest growing, you think? Yeah, fastest growing for sure. Okay. Christianity still dominates, and right. it will for a while. But the the tide is slowly turning. And I talked about that like it was a good thing. I think ultimately it is a good thing. But there is a bad side to it, too. Because when people reject traditional values, they don't always just kind of go their own way. It's like a vacuum. Yes. And they feel sometimes people feel the need to just replace it with something else. I think the worst example of that is we live in these times where there's a lot of political partisanship. And I think... 
people have maybe moved the zeal from religion to like political establishments and political identification. There was a Vice article I'd read. I mean, it's Vice, so take it for what it is. Sure. I like them most of the time. It's interesting almost all the time, but you're not always sure it's going to be super accurate. Beautiful people with tattooed sleeves going to dangerous parts of the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there was this one guy who, you know, used to be religious and now is not and started talking about some of the psychology research they had done. I think it was a man. And he said that religion wears specific canyons and pathways in the brain. Whenever someone loses faith, they tend to use those same pathways for other causes later on in life. So after you leave organized religion or after you leave the realm of spiritual experience, you tend to have the same religious feelings and religious fervor for other uh, for other causes, for other hobbies. And that you're right, that does seem to be what we're seeing right now. People don't really have a path anymore. A lot of people just don't have a prescribed path for them, especially not in the Abrahamic religions. In the West, we're still not super versed in the mindset of Eastern religion either. So a lot of people who are leaving religion are kind of left to figure it out for themselves. Yeah, and especially with those Eastern religions, it does look like I'm I'm not an expert on Eastern religions. Me neither. Most of my religious knowledge stems from Western religions or ones that where the religion is dominated in the West. And Basically, we know what we know because of the beatniks. Yeah, pretty much. Sometimes uh, I see I'm not religious at all, but I feel like I might respect like certain notions of Buddhism, not because I deeply understand it or consider myself that, but sometimes I'll see my fellow Americans just declare themselves these things. And, so often. And I seem to maybe can accredit maybe a guy who's on the side of a mountain in Tibet, where I can see how he can kind of process this religion in that environment. But this person's telling me they're a Buddhist and we're sitting in a pub and they're eating a cheeseburger. It's the they want to be a part of something they think is cool, but but culturally, we might not. It may take a lot for us to really reach that point. And I think, and it's often with young people, like you know how young people are. You read a book on something and you're an expert. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I read like Communist Manifesto when I was 19 and thought I was like the second coming of Lenin. It was dumb as shit. But that's what oh, young man, I'm still disappointed that I haven't led the revolution. Is <laughs> dumb as shit, but it's kind of what people do. It absolutely is. Another aspect of that vacuum, we got the political vacuum. And another part of that, it's debatable how bad it is, but I would attribute it to being an annoying is that another thing that people may fill that in with is pop culture. The Japanese would call it otaku when you become completely obsessed with one specific element of pop culture, a show, you know, Hello Kitty, specific animes. I'm not very well versed in that either. They'll get obsessed with these things. Japan has a very high standard of professionalism. They are a turbo capitalist country at this point. They're one of the few countries that works longer hours on mm -hmm. average than we do. And if you blend that with the Japanese notions of honor and saving face and of just general politeness, you don't get a whole lot of room for self-expression except in pop culture. So that's the way a lot, of, a lot of people have explained what otaku is, is people taking what's inside of them and expressing it in a culturally acceptable way. But because that's their only outlet, it often becomes obsessive. 
And that seems to be what we're seeing in America right now. It seems like we are seeing a lot of it. I feel like I know a lot of people that have a different pop culture thing, like a t-shirt for every day of the week of some old Nintendo game or a cartoon when we were kids. And we're not immune to appreciating pop culture. You and I were big music fans. I'm sure as hell not immune to pop culture, no. I go see all those Marvel movies. I've read comic books all my life. You know, I was about to say I don't have many shirts comic book shirts but you're wearing a daredevil shirt i'm wearing right a now. daredevil t-shirt that was like super cheap and a hot topic <laughs> <laughs> now not only do you own a daredevil t-shirt but you walked into a hot topic to buy it you know i was there maybe getting some cinnabon yeah of course that, which is one of my weaknesses and you just saw it in the window and well so low no one wants that shirt so i will get that shirt but yeah, I think I got a, I got a Daredevil shirt. I've got a Bone shirt, which is that comic book series by Jeff Smith. Doesn't matter if you don't. Oh, know. I see those. Yes. But often I wear this more at home. I don't know why I'm trying to quantify this. It's not important. But it shows that maybe I, even though I can see this, I'm not immune to it. Are certain elements of this stuff influential to me? Absolutely. Do I uh, want to only talk about this stuff all the time? No. I don't. In fact, as I get older, I might be getting more and more tired of talking about So it. you're saying you would not follow Daredevil as a religion? No, I think he's a, an amazing character. One of my favorite fictional characters. But he's not the Messiah? No. Okay. God, if you read Daredevil comics, you'd know real quick he wasn't <laughs> the Messiah. Dude's fucked up. <laughs> but yes, pop culture is probably replacing a lot of religion. And also... What's up, Docs? This is the Documenteers. Johnny is here. That means we're talking about weird religious spiritual shit. Like usual. We are the Documenteers in association with the Center for the Documentation of Documentaries. Johnny, you'll notice there's a guy in a lab coat writing down everything we say. I see him, yes. Uh, his name is Richard. He does not talk. We've made an agreement that he does not talk during the recordings. Because he's a scientist. He's gathering information for science. Yeah, he made me nervous last time. It wasn't the first podcast jitters. It was definitely Richard in the lab coat writing down everything I said. Maybe this isn't fair because Richard can't talk right now because we're recording. But he, he, he looks like he's trying to make direct eye contact a little too much. <laughs> I don't know if that's for scientific reasons. <laughs> he's doing it right now. Hello, Richard. But they donated to the podcast. I wrote a contract for 20 years with them to gather data. They gave me $130. That's not a lot of money, really, for 20 years. I maybe did not sign a very good contract, but it is what it is. They're here, and we're uh, going to gather this data together. We are talking about the film American Jedi, which uh, I don't know where you can find it. I had to rent it. I had to rent it on Amazon Prime. I mean, same here. Maybe you can find a wizard in the woods that shows you how to get it without paying for it. But maybe just pay for it. It ain't that expensive. You know, three ninety nine for something that came out in what late December twenty seventeen. Very a very current documentary. But this was directed by a guy named Laurent Malakwai. Uh, last name spelled M A L A Q U A I S. Am I? Do you think I'm pronouncing that right? Malakui. Malakui. Malakis. Malak. Malakis. I'm gonna. I think Malakai might. Okay. Well, it's not like spelled like the Jewish version of Malachi. It's it sound it sounds like a like a blend between Malachi and Marquis. We'll say Malachi. Directed by Laurent Malachi, cinematographer. He directed other documentaries such as Bronies, 
uh, Wild in the Streets, I Am Joe. And he was an actor in an episode of I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. <laughs> so that's fun to know. What is, is he, was he part of the dramatizations? I think so. Probably a reenactment. Fantastic. And this movie is about people who are seriously ascribing a religious desire to be a part of the Jedi. I think, I think they call it a path. A path, a spiritual journey. Malachi, he's talking to a lot of people on the street. People are pretty skeptical, but they range from fairly open to kind of just thinking it's weird. Uh, he talks to some street preachers. I wonder what they have to say about it. Uh, one of them says, ain't no Darth Vader in the Bible. That's true. I've checked. I did some exhaustive research to make sure Darth Vader was not mentioned in the Bible. Read a lot of the Bible. No Darth Vader so far. Another street preacher just says it's Antichrist because whatever isn't Christian directly is Antichrist. Yes. I wonder how many things can be Antichrist. Can inanimate objects be Antichrist? Oh, God, that depends on who you talk to. Um, inanimate objects could be the mark of the beast. Ooh. You know, used to be telephone numbers and it was credit cards. And then it's like, you know, the chips that they that they want to play in your hand. They're always they're blaming that one on Europe right now. No, inanimate objects cannot be Antichrist though. Yeah, it would be hard to justify. But yeah, like you said, depends on who you ask. They would say the Sith follow the Antichrist. Ooh, true. A lot of people are not blatantly against it. They might think it's weird. And a few people are like, I would love to be a Jedi because we all know what Star Wars is. And they have laser swords. And who wouldn't want to Run around in a cloak, waving a laser sword. And move around. things to your damn mind. Yeah, force lightning. And, you know, try to take down the man. Some stats show up based on the 2001 census. In Serbia, 620 people registered under Jediism. Czech Republic, 15,000. Canada, 21,000. Australia, 70,000. UK, over 400,000 people are claimed to be Jediists. As of a 2001 census, he said? Yes. It seemed like that census kind of came about. I think there was a campaign for people to write Jedi. It doesn't give the U.S. stats. I'm sure they're pretty high. So it's like that time in 78, that uh, presidential election where people wrote in Mickey Mouse. Yes. And I, it got more than any of the candidates. I think Howard the Duck was running at the time as well, at least in, in the comic books at the time. For many people, they just kind of went forward and was like, maybe I would like to be a Jedi. And we meet a guy named Opie McLeod. That is a name he gave himself. Oh, motherfucker. And apparently he gave himself that name when he was really young. I can't remember uh, why he said he thought Opie would be a good name. Well, what was his given name? Did I write that? Let's see. No. God, I should have written that shit down. But that is not his birth name. He calls himself Opie McLeod. His mom said that he had been wanting to be called mcleod for a long time because of did i hear that it was a character in highlander yeah okay. highlander here we are highlander's cool but pretty flawed after the initial movie because there can only be one opie was a very helpful kid this is all according to his mother he was a kid that wanted to go out of his way to make sure he did the right thing so opie's a very helpful kid opie also seems to really want to seek a path of something. And apparently that made him vulnerable at one stage to skinhead white nationalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a picture of him with a swastika but there and were, a blue WP. Yeah. He sharpied himself 
and apparently is hanging out with some other skinhead meatheads. And this is interesting because his mother sees him as being very helpful and always wanting to do the right thing. Obviously, that path leads to moralization and judgment as well. I don't want to color everybody's opinion of Opie too early in the episode. <laughs> Look, he's not a white nationalist now. No, he, no his he's mother, not. His mother is very supportive. And I think that's based on the fact that it's like, at least he's not a fucking Nazi. I mean, he's not a Nazi, but let's be real. The documentary is pretty fucking white. <laughs> so, Opie has a tattoo that has something to do. What does it say? Jedi or some shit? It doesn't look like a Lucas approved font. I'll say that. <laughs> It looks like a really advanced um, graffiti tag. And it said the Jedi. God, I wrote so much down and I've already missed so much. Jedi boner or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say it says Jedi boner. It'll come to me. He said he believes in God, but doesn't like him very much. Interesting relationship. Apparently when he was a little skinhead shit, (laughs) he beat up a guy with some friends and he ended up getting locked up. Uh, the, the catch was the kid was supposed to fight back, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It takes about four or five uh, neo-Nazi skinheads to form one backbone. <laughs> and so they always travel in packs because they have to, like, pat each other on the back to keep putting up this bullshit philosophy that they have. But when you get them alone, it's they're just, like, dumb shits that don't know anything. So if you get five of you together and you form a backbone and you fight this one kid and he does not have a backbone, does that mean that he's part of you? Normal people already have spines and backbones. Right. But when you're a neo-Nazi, you have to group up to form one. I thought they were talking about like a gang initiation. That it was supposed to be, you know, how a suburban white kid would see joining a gang where you get beat in and beat out. Maybe I missed that part. I kind of just maybe assumed it was assault. Sometimes when I get all deep in these notes, I can miss a few lines. There was a little bit of dispute whether or not the beating up was consensual. Said the kid was supposed to fight back like there was already an agreement, which made me think they were trying to initiate this kid, but I don't know. Well, Opie ends up serving his time in this firefighting facility camp where there looks like they're fighting wildfires. It seemed like it might have done him a little bit of good. Pretty rad. Gave him some structure was good physically. And of course, they're in California where wildfires are a big problem. During this time, he got into Jediism from reading Star Wars novels. And Opie decided that he had found what he was looking for. The system of honor. We see a workout montage to Star Wars music where Opie is uh, doing some exercises. I got to give Opie some credit in this regard. He believes in honing his mind as well as his body. Because we meet a lot of Jediists that they'll practice their sword swinging, but it doesn't seem like crunches are really on the agenda. No. Like <laughs> no, much like the uh, the self-defense consultant who we'll, who we'll see later. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are like uh, sporting some extra designer chins. <laughs> Like, I'm not a small boy. I'm okay, not, yeah. I, no, <laughs> I'm not I, trying to... I really do not want this to devolve into nerd shaming. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> well, I think some of them look good, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, however, if you're following a moral code, that involves that, you know. Sometimes for a lot of people, it seems like the code conveniently wraps around your the habits you had before you started walking this code. 
It's like I've been a Jedi the whole time, yeah. which is not what happens. You become a Jedi, man. I mean, I don't have a code. I'm not doing crutches. <laughs> I should. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm not you're not following a moral path that exhorts you to train your body and your mind. But Star Wars connecting to elements of mythology, much like a lot of things in pop culture, is not unusual. George Lucas had stated that Star Wars was inspired from a few things, one of which being the infamous Joseph Campbell book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Also, uh, roughly on the basis of the Kurosawa film Seven Samurai was a big influence. Apparently, I heard that George Lucas really wanted to do Flash Gordon, and he couldn't get the rights to it. Another impetus for him to make Star Wars was the fact that he was unable to make Flash Gordon. We'll get a Flash Gordon movie a few years later, in which the only good thing about it was the Queen soundtrack. Agree oh, to disagree. Yeah, all right. You're not a Queen fan. Not even close. I'm sorry, y'all. Throughout this movie, we are talking to people from other religions. Uh, Methodist pastor. Who seemed very kind of diplomatic in terms of how... He's kind of open-minded with how, not necessarily promoting the Jediism over his own, but understanding what people are looking for when they seek spiritual things. He was he was very much trying to outline the appeal, like what might be good about this. Because, you know, being a Christian pastor, I'm sure you see this growing spiritual but not religious movement. So I assume if you're a thinking person, that fascinates you. And we meet, uh, there's a Buddhist monk, I think that's one of the first people we meet, who looks really legit like a buddhist monk she looks quite legit it's not like you're co the person in your college class that's like uh, i'm a buddhist and she actually looked like she was walking the walk. oh if you look at the corners of your of her eyes you can tell she smiles a lot you can see that in people's faces but at first i was a little confused i thought because i didn't realize when she showed up that they were going to go through different spiritual teachers when, they, when she showed up, I was like, is that like Opie's aunt or something? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, no, it's just a Buddhist monk just giving some spiritual examples. They're, uh, they're doing their best to compare Jediism to legit um, established religions. We meet a girl. She's a Jedi candidate. She's being mentored by Opie, who I wouldn't find out later. It was not quite a Jedi Knight yet. I was kind of convinced he would be one if you're going to be one. But he's apparently not there yet. But he's mentoring a girl named Paris Cartwright. She seemed like a fascinating person, seemed to be pretty strong, and seemed to be pretty kind as well. Yeah. So she just had a... She has a sincerity about her. Yes. Opie and Paris meet face-to-face -face for the first time in years, apparently, at a Chili's parking lot, where you do that kind of thing. They've been talking online for a long time. <laughs> She's wearing this dress that's, like, long in the back and a miniskirt up front. A very interesting choice. She is an interesting human being, for sure. Paris is a former Marine, and she's married to a guy who thinks Jediism is stupid. She now does makeup for a living, and she's 25 years old. Now, something that comes up a lot, and it starts with Paris, is that this Jediism that people follow seems to be linked a lot to shamanism. And she points that out. I barely understand what that is. I know it's like nature worship or seeing God in natural things. It seems like shamanism can mean a lot of things, depending on what part of the world you're from. I'm not an expert. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that two different types of shamanism would have a whole lot in common, except for, you know, there's an element of a witch doctor or medicine, a medicine man or woman 
someone who's more in tune with the spiritual realm who can discern what the specific spirits around want from them. Paris left a Jedi group that she was in for about seven years. She has a bumper sticker of it, but and she it shows her blacking it out with a Sharpie. Instead of just pulling the bumper sticker off. Yeah, that's what Angela said when she watched it. Like, just pull it off. That's, that's not going to last. But she didn't decide to black it out until she was on camera. Of course. Opie is talking to Paris, and it gets a little it gets a little weird. Opie explains the the nature of an open sexual environment for the Jedi path. Paris says that she's she's fine with it. But He's really grilling her on that too. Opie, without saying it, is being like, I'm gonna try to have sex with you and it's not that big a deal. I she's married. Husband, not into Jediism, or at least makes fun of it. The way I saw that conversation between Opie and Paris slash War Beauty was that he was saying that the Jedi path seems to be more of a more of an asexual one, one of chastity. Huh. That's what I caught. It was uh-huh. like, how do you reconcile your open, like this open sexuality with the Jedi path? I kind of interpreted it like he was trying to gauge the sexual waters like that. He was promoting maybe not something that's solely focused on sexuality. I'm not saying he's not a confused person. <laughs> I think we figure that out real quick. Yes. Who knows? Probably contradictions in his own brain just make it confusing for us to try to interpret. Because the Jedi in the movies, I mean, the ones I've seen, I'm sorry, guys, I haven't seen all of them. But the Jedis <laughs> in the movies I've seen do not have relationships, really. Which Star Wars movies have I've you seen? I've seen four through six. And then I watched episode one, and I was like, this is fucking garbage. So I just quit. <laughs> you haven't seen... Um, what about I, Rogue One? Have you seen Rogue One? You haven't seen that one? I watched Rogue One with a 10-year-old, but I was not... I was not paying attention. I was making a meme about Macklemore at the time. <laughs> I think I remember that meme. I really liked it. Public Enemy. I was very proud of myself. Check out Johnny's Instagram poll. <laughs> at Johnny Downer. Paris, she says that she was at one point, well, at multiple points in her life, and this is fucked up, was raped three times. She was a Marine. <sighs> she said that she was raped at the age of 17 and 18. And I'm sure the third time was, I guess, when she was in the Marines. And she's 25, and she says that that was so long ago. And I was like, it was not that long ago. You were obviously dealing with some intense drama. She talked about how pursuing Jediism, which she's been going for for a while now, it didn't mesh at first. And she's got a a way of speaking and a little hyperbolic, but she says some kind of like, gym things sometimes that just say i take notice and she described it at first like scraping my face against concrete her ascent from from the darkness from that place of intense pain she really has obviously been working at at least becoming happy if not healthy art goes out to her she's experienced some rough shit when i was watching this movie i was hoping for a lot of yucks i got a few But really, there was... Well, we haven't met Hannigan yet. But really, I found myself with a couple of people uh, feeling very sympathetic towards them, and Paris probably being the most. Paris Cartwright is by far my favorite. Opie starts discussing how he was married once, and he made a website for Jediism with with his then-wife. And there's some wedding pictures and Opie's hair. Did you see his hair in the wedding pictures? Oh, man, it was 80s Nick Cave hair. 
it looked like a party city wig. Like he just put on a party city wig and like rubber banded up a little bit. I could not tell what was going on. Um. Also, he married in the Star Trek religion. Yeah, apparently they, he and his wife were big Star Trek fans as well as big Star Wars fans. Interesting. Is that is that heresy? Because it seems to be. Well, I'm Jewish and Muslim, so. Well, there's an often classic line between Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans, that stereotype. There is a lot of crossover, but it seems like people do like one more than the other. Oh, absolutely. And you were more of a Star Trek guy, right? I was. Growing up, I watched a lot of Star Trek. But, you know, being a pastor's kid, Star Wars was considered to be too new age. Ooh. I know, right? Too much Eastern religion. However, a utopian, like a communist utopia in space is totally fine. Star Trek has a very kind of optimistic outlook with where we were going. It does that. Eventually, we would get to the point where we could just manufacture our own food out of nothing. We could just make things materialize and that eventually our technology would enable all of us to eliminate poverty and bring us to a point where we could explore the entire damn universe. Sounds without cool. colonizing anything. Very, very optimistic to the point where you're like, what the fuck? I think I can kind of see the appeal of that over Star Wars because even in Star Wars, whether you're locked into the dark side or the light side, it just seems like you're going to be at war. I mean, it's called Star Wars. True, true. It's not just a journey, a trek. It's a it's fight. A, it's a never-ending battle, yes. So I don't, I don't understand how you could be that huge into both of them because they're starkly opposing ideologies. You have the Federation on one side, and on the other side, the Empire is the bad guy. Pretty unmistakably the bad guy. It's pro-establishment versus anti-establishment. I don't know, man. I, I understand less about Opie as the movie goes on. Well, he and his wife, they're doing good until they encounter a Sith. And by Sith, they mean uh, a dude named Miles Robertson, who kind of looks like like he's a Jafar-looking dude with a pepper beard. I was watching this movie with, like, four people. We all looked at each other and with mouths wide open whenever he said, I met a Sith. Miles says, sometimes the dark side just happens. He's lit very specifically. So ominous. Looks like there's a green light on his eyes. Very heavy contrast lighting on his face. Really heavy-handed. There might be a fire burning in the background. There's a part where he's kind of explaining the Sith way, and he's squatting in his backyard. Why is he squatting? Why do we need a shot of him doing this? It just made it seem... A little silly. Miles said that when he was a kid, like the Emperor, that was his favorite character. And he says that Siths are not uh, group-oriented. He does clarify that he can't shoot lightning out of his hands. I, I was glad that he verified that. I wasn't sure. Miles also teaches a European sword class. And uh, he meets Opie. And also he's in his 40s. Yes. Let's just point that out. Opie, his wife, and Miles, they meet at a park. And at one point, they all go eat. Miles says that Opie's passion would make him a great Sith. And Opie does not like that. Well, I mean, he was a skinhead, so he was about as close to the Sith. I would say that's worse than the Sith, actually. I'm just going to say that. Opie's wife is hanging out with Miles with Jafar Pepperbeard. Oh, God. And they're into BDSM, and Opie is not down with this. 
Now we get a reenactment, some audio we reenactments do. and a visual reenactment of a woman at an angle like a BDSM scene. It's the only reenactment in the whole movie of a woman getting like sex whipped. It was very awkward. Not for necessarily any uncomfort, but because it's the only fucking reenactment in the whole movie. And it's, it's clearly the director reaching back into his previous experience <laughs> as an actor on I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. Yeah, there's a dumb reenactment. And Opie's wife turns Sith. That marriage is done. And Miles says, you know, the Jedi, they say, may the force be with you. The Sith say, may the force serve you well. When Opie describes his wife leaving, he doesn't say, my wife left. He says, his student left. Oh, God. So emotional sick. disconnect going on. It's three days until the Jedi trials. We meet a guy walking to the building. His name's Michael Hannigan. You can tell he's, his name's Hannigan because his name is on the back of his shirt. It's on the back of his fucking shirt. And three-inch tall white letters. We meet another guy. Gabe, Master Angelus, they call him. He is a Jedi Master. And he also, uh, according to himself, is a shaman. What I've learned about shamanism from this documentary is that when you're a shaman, you keep stones and sand on a table. That's all I know. <laughs> you pray at it or yeah. something. You move them around and sometimes stack things on top of each other. They go to a Chicago Jedi meeting. There's a little class. There's chants and there's a bell dinging and shit like that. The Methodist preacher we talked about earlier he acknowledges that Jediism might be a good draw away from Christianity because there's no inherent homophobia in Jediism, unlike Christianity. He did. He did say that, and it was a pretty interesting statement. Hannigan, I think it's Hannigan hosts a show called Jedi Realist Radio. Did you look that up? I did not. I was too afraid. I wanted to, and I didn't. One thing, we first hear about Hannigan when Opie is like, I didn't want to go to the Jedi trials at first because I knew Hannigan was going to be there. So Hannigan is already Opie's nemesis. So that's what we know him as. Hannigan considers himself aggressive. and Hannigan tells a brief story of his dad dying and him uh, turning to drug use apparently he was strung out at some point he talks about how he wants to train in asia for cool sword fights stuff i guess i wrote my notes not a sith okay <laughs> seems like everyone is like a little on walking on eggshells around this dude he's apparently known as being a very bombastic personality but whenever they start showing him talk whenever they show him talking yeah he's pretty quiet Soft-spoken, seems to think before he speaks. It seems like a lot of what people are describing are from years back. A lot of these people have been in communication my, for a long time. My impression was that about a decade has passed since Opie and Hannigan were huge, warring figures in the Jedi community. And so this is an old grudge. I'm pretty different than I was when I was 10 years back in terms of boisterousness. Um, everyone gets a little calmer when they get older. I guess the one thing that doesn't change is their desire to be a Jedi. Hannigan also has, he's got some new age qualities. He says he's a, a Reiki instructor, which I think is like a, some kind of energy through the Mo body kind of thing. Moving your hand over people and transferring energy or taking energy. I'm not sure which one it is. It depends on whether or not you want to keep or lose the energy, I think. I want to ball it up. We should have brought a Reiki instructor. I want to ball it up in my colon. 
Cut to, I believe it's called Skyline Camp in Michigan. People begin to arrive. You know, last episode we did Jesus Camp. You know what time it is now? Jedi Camp. Hell yeah. And the HBV swapping begins. There is obvious martial art Jediism link. There is some cool sword fighting going on. Now, Johnny, I have a confession to make. There was a time about 15 plus years ago where me and a group of friends, we got into something that is basically called padded sword fighting. Maybe you've seen people in the park with like uh, PVC pipes wrapped in socks and uh, camping foam, just beating each other. And then cardboard armor. We used to do that stuff, me and my friends. We got really into it. There's this patch of property next to this apartment complex that the main guy was at where we'd go and make all our weapons. We had spears and shields and flails and swords. For three solid years, we would go out there once a week and just beat each other with these weapons. Three years straight. And let me tell you, three straight years of this, and you'd be pretty dangerous with a broomstick. It was a lot about just being together and just having fun and getting some exercise. There is like and a... And being kids again. Yes. Where you get to hit each other with sticks. And of course, I'm not immune to Star Wars fandom. There was a little, we're like Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader in our own minds. Of we're course there the was. These things... So you're saying if your life had taken a different path, you could have been right there with Hannigan and Opie. Philosophically, no. But when they start, like, pulling out the foam swords and start whipping them around... You were like, posers. I probably would have been like, hey, do you have another one of those? Can I do this? When they start talking about spirituality, I would tune out and be like, can we just hit each other with the swords? Mostly because the spirituality is vague as fuck. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. But we were into that. We were a very small group of, like, redneck kids from redneck places moving into towns, going to college, and beating each other with swords. There is big organizations that put on festivals for this kind of stuff. And when we Uh, went to one of those, we realized how serious people could be about this. Did you say it approaches religious fervor? Yes. Well, people are actually kind of, a lot of people are kind of pretending to be like they're from the Middle Ages. And we were. This is the SCA, right? The Society for Cultural Anachronism. (laughs) I don't think it was called that. I had had a roommate or two who was into that. But we really just like beating each other with sticks. Fuck yeah. And these Nothing people, wrong with that. These people are like laughing at us because we don't spend a lot of money on armor. We made everything ourselves. You think you're a giant nerd and then you go into a campground and discover you're probably actually the least <laughs> nerdy in this whole place. Well, in the sense where, you know, but we're both we're both music nerds. We consider ourselves pretty diehard record nerds. But then we end up going to, say, a record convention or just a regular old record store. And you see that one guy who is like 60 years old and pear-shaped. He's had the same price on that uh, Russian Beatles print for the last 20 years. Yes. I mean, there it may be the guy behind the counter, but it could just be a guy who hangs out there. And you realize, like, there are, there are nerds, and then there are nerds who don't know they're nerds. And I think those are the ones who end up just taking themselves way too seriously. I've noticed an epidemic of, and it's probably because nerds just outright, if you mention anything about sports, that a lot of nerds just trip over themselves to announce that they don't like the sport. Yes. Sports fanatics 
are also giant fucking nerds, but they don't realize that they are. And I've noticed that crossover. Mm -hmm. There needs to, someone needs to make a high fidelity for sports. I have a I have a co-host who probably is a good candidate. For oh my god, he like would that. be perfect. For yes, you would. He might be the real expert in terms of like our movie subjects that we bring in here because he knows an obscene amount about sports. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and he's also deeply immersed in what we would consider our type of nerd culture. We see the camp. We see a dude in a Superman shirt. He looks Sith to me, but he seems to be the guy that kind of runs a lot of this stuff. If he was from Alabama, his name would be Bubba. Bubba. He looks like a Bubba. He really does. We see Paris in a foot cast. I wrote, how soon until she fucks Opie? Will she fuck Opie? That's like my biggest question. I'm still unsure what they're doing there, like what their philosophy is. What are they What are they after? Because one, it's about training, obviously. Obviously, your mind more than your body. It's about self-control to some extent and taking agency over your own life. Just taking control, having a hand in your own destiny and using the force, whatever that is. But I don't see anyone even referencing Star Wars canons. Yeah, not not Jedi Sun around a lot, but yeah, there's not like a bunch of deep cut references happening. At this point, there's at least six Star Wars movies and a shit ton of Star Wars novels, and I don't see these referenced as scripture. You would figure that would be the thing. Maybe this documentary is it was a licensing issue? Well, it's definitely not uh, unofficial. I think there was some, I mean, I don't know. I'm not like a John Williams fanatic, but mm-hmm. it seemed like there was some background music from Star Wars, but I okay. couldn't be too sure. Otherwise, I had not seen much reference to the actual Star Wars franchise or to anything less vague than shamanism. Yeah, no one was like, I feel I'm more of a Jar Jar Binks. No one was like that. So if there's, if it's not severe fandom, it doesn't seem to be. I'm not sure what they're getting at, like why they're going to this. It seems like they're writing their own books on the subject too. Okay. But I guess if you could that like... Is a very, that is a very postmodern religious thing to do. True. But they're they're writing their own books on the subject? They're already trying to Joseph Smith this shit before they've even set the groundwork. Ooh. <laughs> it's almost like they're making it up as they go along. <laughs> Paris has stated that she is scared of being alone. She's very emotionally honest in this movie. And she describes that solitude, that fear, as a giant black gaping maul. She missed the opportunity to make a Sarlacc pit reference. But like he said, there's really not a lot of canonical references going on here. There's not much Star Wars in this movie at all. We go back to Gabe, who's one of the leaders at this camp. He is uh, using shamanism, and he and Paris are doing some rock meditations where she holds a rock and he tells her to think about it and to flow around it or something. And then put her energy into the I yeah I don't know yeah something about the even energy. when they show me spe- something specific I'm not quite sure what they're doing Paris references again her uh, trauma from her past in her service years Charles McBride does the stone ceremony he's the guy in the Superman shirt okay he's very sweaty you'd think the force might help cool him down and he describes the process, and this isn't unlike Buddhism, in which people need to embrace the pain and the suffering. And a very serious Charles 
or Charlie as we'll call him, begins the Jedi Knight Path Questionnaire. Johnny, are you ready to <sighs> face these questions and become a Jedi Knight? I don't want to see that guy ever again. Are you ready? Yes, yes, I'm ready. Who are you My and Lord. what is your true name? Jonathan Greth. Whom or what do you serve? I serve... Am I trying to become a Jedi or am I just trying to... Whom or what do you serve? I serve truth and justice. Are you connected to it? Hell no. What is your path? To connect to truth and justice. What is your purpose? Is that different than a path? What is your purpose? My purpose is much like my path to connect to truth and justice. Where do you belong? Who the fuck knows? What do you have to give? What do you have to give up? Um, I have a shit ton of records. And a car. And a few guitars. Pretty much that. What do you want? I want to not give up my car and my records. What is better, Star Wars or Star Trek? <sighs> Star Trek. Good, you didn't lie to me. Your trial of the spirit is complete. You did say Star Wars at, or Star Trek at the end, but I think you're a Jedi Knight. Congratulations. Um. Yeah, you notice when uh when they asked Opie what his true name was, it was Opie McCloud. This motherfucker is self-determined. He wants to be his own person. You got And I don't know if that's the way of the Force. Yeah, I don't know. You gotta, I'm not sure they do. You got to admire his drive. Mm-hmm. He seems very Sith-like to me. I think that Miles guy was on something. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let me meditate over this rock. Initiate. And? Candidate. All right. Whatever you're called. Make sure you ask these questions very seriously as a Jedi Master would. Who are you? My and Lord. what is your true name? I am Bob Sham. Whom or what do you serve? I serve goodness to the best of my ability and caffeine and donuts. Are you connected to it? Yeah, feel pretty damn LinkedIn. What is your path? Maybe to drink less caffeine, maybe. Um, eat less donuts, maybe. I need to stop smoking. That's a good path. What is your purpose? My purpose is to find success doing what I want without compromising. Where do you belong? Belong here in Nashville or any place that has that will have me. What do you have to give? What do you have to give up? I'll, I would gladly give my time. I would gladly give up anything that someone needs more than I do. What do you want? Uh, a measure of cult success. Good, you didn't lie to me. Your trial of the spirit is complete. Congratulations, you're a Jedi. Yes! I think of myself like a Mace Windu, you know? You didn't finish those movies, you don't know. No, I have no idea who you're talking about at all. Don't worry about the prequels. I kind of like the new ones, though. People are very split on this last one. That's what I heard. I tell you, I thought it was a lot of fun. Even the biggest Star Wars fan I know was like, it's not good. I think it was fine. Is it perfect? No. But you know what else isn't perfect? 
like half of these Star Wars movies. They're right? kids' movies. Yeah. They're also kind of half of a shit. Let's not be precious about something that's half shit. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> I feel the spirit coming over me. Um, Or the force? No. <laughs> because Star Wars is a kids' movie. <laughs> they are all kids' movies. They are meant to be family-friendly. They are not meant to address all of the dirty ins and outs of real life. It's a very simplified universe. How do you build a path on that? I still don't understand what they're getting at. It's like, it's like Taoism without all the cool part. Real Taoists, let us know what to think. Please do. About Jedi. I'm willing to learn. I always question in any spiritual religious scenario, and this one is no different, is the structure. What's the point? Why can't these people just be like, I'm a Jedi. Why do they need to go out into the woods? If, if this is something that is it's based on something that is loved by a lot of people, why do you need this structure? Why do you need to stand before all these dudes drinking beer and waving light swords to be validated by this? We haven't talked too much about the talking heads that appear in this movie. The two experts on mythology, especially, yeah. where they're talking about the rites of initiation, the belief in something. And how a belief in something can make it work in some sense. We're also going to cover that a little bit in A Hole in the Head as well. That will be our next uh, movie. Yes. Which you'll hear, I guess, in weeks So this point. Much like someone said about trepanation, the belief in the thing that when you place your hand on this rock or when you put your hand on this stone pillar like they do later on, And you're supposed to put all your bad feelings into it, you know? You're supposed to put your pain and your anger and all the negative parts of the dark side. It, in a sense, is supposed to work like some sort of mock confession. So that's what what the the expert on Campbell as well, the, the woman, I forget her name, was saying that there's this thing that you set out to do. And whenever you accomplish it, it becomes like unto a religious experience. I've never been able to force myself to believe anything, so I don't understand. I wish there were more, there was more talk about their conversion moments. I want to know how they converted to the Jedi path. That part seemed a little bit soft. Well, Opie uh, said Star Wars novels while he was uh, locked up. Yeah, not good enough. We see Miles again and his very specific lighting, dropping some knowledge on Sith stuff. Paris and Opie, I don't think they've hooked up yet. Uh, Paris is married, but she's too young. She's too young anyway. I'm not going to lie. I'm not seeing much interest from Paris either. (laughs) She wants to be a Jedi. I think he just wants to get in her pants. They seem to have a mutual kind of connection. Like, they do genuinely seem to be friends. They're laying around in the bunks, and they're kind of touching each other. But it's just hard to say. Uh, It could just be a friendship. I don't know why I'm projecting onto them so much. You know, and I maybe want I was maybe I was a little bit harsh on Opie. You know, but you know, I, it's okay to project. We're both nerds, right? They, yeah. Why aren't they? Why aren't they getting down? I mean, if they want to do that, they should. We see some people in the dark with their cool glow swords, practicing lightsaber moves, but not sit ups. God, that's so harsh, Bobby. <laughs> people want to deck Hannigan. They really want to deck Hannigan. Hannigan is the bad boy of Jediism. He's like the Fonz, you know? 
And apparently he's not a Jedi Knight. Apparently yet. when you're a bad boy, you have like, a, a, you, you sit super hunched over and you've got an underbite. <laughs> oh, I'm being harsh? I'm just, <laughs> I know, God, cut that out. I'm the worst. Let's call, let's point out every physical flaw of every person <laughs> in this documentary. Okay, so. We can start with ourselves. I'm balding, overweight. I'm still hot though. Oh God, I'm I'm thin. <laughs> oh, I was talking about me. Oh right. <laughs> People, Paris is being analyzed by this. I guess they're the Jedi Council. I'm I don't know. And this structure is determining her Jedi worth. And Paris says that she really wants to represent Jediism out in the real world, and she wants to bring a femininity to it. Which can be a good thing, because I think there's only two, maybe three women at this thing, from uh, what I can tell. Yes. Um, Paris points out that she, based upon her trauma that she experienced in the Marines and in her youth, that she has wanted to be a conscientious objector. Paris is very open. This is why I like Paris, because she's just lays it all out. Solid human being. Paris admits that her trauma can force her to freeze up in conflict. I'm not an expert on this by any means, but it is kind of a part of, from what I understand, a survival mechanism, especially when you're dealing with violent rape. Have you ever seen Orange is the New Black? I'm in the middle of watching that right now. I think it's about season three, a character experiences, unfortunately, a rape. And the scene is acted amazingly, where she's being assaulted, and it's a close-up of her face, her expression of like discomfort and fear, her face goes blank. There's nothing there. Uh, when women experience this trauma, of course, men can experience this trauma as well. Of course. How you just... Much less likely to admit it, but yes. How you just shut down. That's what she's talking about. I don't know how much they can sympathize with that or understand it. Uh, well, it does not appear that the the self-defense guy, what what was his name? Uh, I can't remember. Was it? Uh, he was the other guy with the bro tee. It's not Charles. Charles, not Superman shirt. They all kind of look the same. It's, it, it was, yeah. Yeah, they didn't really seem to understand. They seemed kind of shocked that she wouldn't defend herself. And they don't seem to understand that she's not that removed from this trauma. No. And she still needs to deal with it. And uh, hopefully sometime off camera, they kind of help her kind of bridge those connections with what they're trying to do. But it just seems like they're just confused that she would have this position. It's definitely the kind of behavior I think she's joining the Jedi religion to try to mitigate. Because he's asking her some pretty tough questions, but nothing as blatant as were you ever raped, right? But they ask about something bad that's happened in, or, you know, whether or not anything bad has happened, things that she has a hard time coming to terms with. And she said, the sexual assault that I've been through. And he's like, well, what did you do? She's like, I just froze. And he's like, how do you, he says, how do you reconcile that with the Jedi path? How is that acting like a Jedi? That's a what the fuck moment. Because she's like, this is, there's, there's no rape in Star Wars. These are dudes that are presenting themselves like they're wise men. Mm -hmm. But if he understood her trauma, he wouldn't ask that question. No. He would be trying to come up with a way to use his spiritual path to help her. Right. Instead of questioning that. Hopefully he will. I mean, these are obviously young and not so young men who... Or emotionally young. Can I say something harsh again? Go ahead. 
These are probably young or not so young men who probably don't have very many friends who are girls. Uh, true enough. Well, Opie comes along. They're analyzing his, him now. Uh, they talk about how they're trying to, I guess they're trying to nitpick, you know, because Opie obviously has some dedication. He's often been very active for years. But, they, but they're saying like how his online presence is not as strong as it used to be. I'm not sure why that matters in this shamanistic-like Jedi path that you have to be, like, upkeeping a blog. But it seems to be uh, important to them. Gabe, he vouches for Opie. Opie discusses his relationship with Hannigan, pointing out that his journey is not unlike Hannigan's journey and how they were maybe lashing out in their attitude because they were compensating for some shit that they were going through at the time. That's true. To Opie's credit, he does admit that about himself, that both he and Hannigan were at a different place in their lives then, that they were younger, they were angrier, and they were more likely to, instead of dealing with the shit themselves, take it out on others. I wrote my notes, ain't this just LARPing? <laughs> That's been my question the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they're LARPing. Sometimes I wonder if... Which means, uh, for listeners who may not know, live action role playing where you're physically pretending it's like a tabletop role playing game, but you're out in the world and you're literally pretending to be your created character. But to be fair, if you're listening to a podcast about documentaries, how do you not know this already? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Really? I get a lot of questions of, of things that I think people are automatically know. I had to uh, explain Munchausen's by proxy the other day. So that's a fun thing to have to explain. You had to explain that to me. Yeah. Oh, that's so. right. It was you. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> well, now you know. In the padded sword fighting world that we were into, LARPing was very common. We didn't do it. We were giant nerds that played role-playing games, but we personally felt like LARPing was maybe a little too far. We didn't want to go into a bar to pretend to be a vampire. We wanted to go to a bar to have whiskey and beer. And we were probably we were also young and wanted to attract uh, people. So maybe pretending to be a vampire was not a good move but in that regard. Had I not believed that LARPing could have opened a door to witchcraft in my life, I may have gotten into it. Nice. As a middle schooler. Witchcraft is what you make of it. That's all up to you. That's what I'm learning from American Jedi. Shamanism is whatever you want it to be. I don't know. Angelis? He seems like an interesting dude. Yeah, his parents are very supportive of him. Can too. we touch on him for a second? Yeah. Angelis is, well, was raised Catholic. Also known as Gabe. Yeah, what was, where did the Angelis part come I from? I think that's Is that his online name? I think it's his Jedi name. Okay. Yeah, so Gabe was raised Catholic, is Latin American, and is now openly gay. And so he's, he's representing the non-white, non-hetero perspective on Jediism. I think he's the only non-white person in this movie, isn't he? There was one, I saw one African-American woman who was walking up on crutches. So okay. there is apparently room for people of color and disabled people. Oh, that's good. Or people with disabilities, rather. Sorry, person first language, y'all. So Gabe is interesting because he's he's from Chicago, and he's very different than this suburban this white suburban culture that surrounds him in Jediism. I would have liked to have seen more of him, but unfortunately we didn't. It seemed to focus mostly on Paris Cartwright 
and Opie and Hannigan. Of course, that's where the drama comes from. Gabe, surprisingly, or Angelis, I think a lot of his conflicts were with him and his religion that he was raised with. But as we discover later in the movie, we talk to his family, and they're very supportive mm-hmm. of him. I think it said his sister converted. That's right. She did. And that his nephew thinks it's super cool. Mm-hmm. And even his father, who's an old dude, who you would think be staunchly Catholic, is like, yeah, I think it's great. And if I wasn't so old, I might do it as well. The interesting part about Gabe was that he wasn't coming out of the military. He wasn't, you know, raised in the suburbs trying to find a place to belong. He had a faith that, according to him, he really loved. He loved Catholicism. He loved his life in that. And even when he came out as gay, he decided to remain celibate, as a lot of people in old Christian confessions do. But for obvious reasons, that's a very, very hard thing to do. And so he's not trying to find a religion. He had a religion, but there was not, there was seemingly no room in it for him. And so he's trying to find something. I really, I really loved Gabe because his motivation seemed the most clear. Yeah. Out of anybody who, out of any of the, I don't know what you call them, initiates. Padawans? I don't even know what that means. (laughs) It's a made up word meaning like uh, apprentice. For Jedi's. Maybe if Jediism followed Star Wars more, I'd know what that was by now. But his family respects his passion. Yeah. And it legitimately looks like Gabe is getting the most positive influence from this path. A lot of people seem to be in a transition phase. Other people just look like they uh, get off on telling people weird questions in the woods. He understood what he had already believed in, what he could not accept. And he already had a spiritual practice in place by the time he found Jediism. So Jediism for him seemed to be a way for him to accomplish what he was already trying to accomplish. It kind of helped him solidify this mishmash of belief systems. He was It helped him reach a synthesis between this bigger picture. The final decision is going down. Paris is strutting in her, looks like a a Leia Jedi Knight kind of outfit, and Opie, Hannigan, and Paris are all named Jedi Knights. Congratulations. I mean, they paid that $200 deposit to go out into the woods. You, They better get their Jedi Knighthood. But Opie, they asked, you know, at the very end where it's like, what do you want? And he says, to be a Jedi. And then, you know, Hannigan said, basically to be the person that I needed as a child. Whoa. That was fucking brilliant. Whoa, dude. He said, I mean, it was not, you could tell his voice was shaking a little bit. He was, but he was very sincere about it. And that was the basic gist of what he was saying, that he wanted to be what he was missing. He wanted to become what he had needed in the past. But Opie, he just wanted to be a Jedi, really? Is that your goal, buddy? I guess so. And he goes to his... To his ordination. Yeah, there's a Dressed ceremony. like Agent Smith from the fucking Matrix. <laughs> they have this ceremony. I didn't write down everything that was said as they were being uh, knighted, I guess. No. But the phrase Jedi knighthood is not given. It's like, well, then why are you there giving it? <laughs> there's a Jedi photo shoot. We get some dramatic music later. Opie's at the airport. Uh, Miles is back. He's our Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. He warns of feelings of betrayal after these times how you know you can be all up in the jedi world but you're going to get out into the real world and you might feel 
things are going into an opposite extreme. It's actually a fairly insightful thing to say yeah. if you can you can correlate that kind of thing with other uh, religious things. I went to this thing when I was a teenager called Christmas. It was a very intense, like, biblical thing. We weren't allowed to have watches. We weren't allowed to, like, bring any music or any outside things. So we it's just full-on uh, religious indoctrination. This was not run through the Methodist church. It was run through, I think, a different church. So I came out of this thinking that I was, like, some bright, shining beacon, incorruptible. And after about two days, I'm pretty much back to where I was before I ever went. When you said that, when you said, you know, you're going to go out in the world, who was it? It was Charles. Well, Miles speaks about going out into the world and... And things start yeah. swinging in the opposite direction. That's basically what they tell you in the last day of church camp. It's yeah. Like, you know, you're you're having a good time here. You're fellowshipping. You're worshiping the Lord. But then, you know, are you going to keep it up when you go back to your daily life? Yeah. When you go to school, are you going to carry your Bible with you like we talked about? And we all know now, looking back, the answer is no. There's a part where Miles is practicing his swords, and there's the saber effects while he's waving it in the air. I kind of wanted a little more of that. Miles was clean-shaven at this point, was he not? We're almost at that point. Okay, my apologies. Because I think this is like an old, they're reviewing this before the camp, so a lot of his stuff is before that. Uh, Miles didn't go. He's already like, I'm a Sith guy. I don't need to go and like hold rocks. Miles does not give a shit, no. Uh, there's shots of him dramatically playing the piano. Mm. Opie says he's going to a Jedi event where guess who will be there? Miles. The one who cucked him, bro. Bro. Miles says he will be there. And he says, people expect Sith to have a plan within a plan. So I have to have a plan within a plan. Miles says a lot of things. He's not in this movie that much. He still manages to say a lot of shit. I got to say, that. he thinks people expect this of them. But if I met him and he said, I'm a Sith, all expectations would be out the window. I would. The, I wonder if Miles realizes that most people expect nothing from him because he's just some dude that thinks he's a Sith Lord. Exactly. And Miles said he went because he wanted to see what would happen. And they see each other and... Opie says, you want to go get a drink? Burying the lightsaber, as they say. Miles is also shaved at this point when they meet up. Uh, he looks like he owns a, a franchise of Taco Bells, the Sith Lord. What? Yeah, once the beard's gone. He looks like he manages his staples without the beard. <laughs> Agreed. They're now buddies. One year later, Opie's at a book signing. The Padawans are now the questionnaires. Or the questionnaires. The questioners. The council. They're now the council. Opie's mom comes to visit to surprise because Opie's doing his book signing. I think it's called like the Jedi Circle or something. Paris, her hair is dyed. She looks a lot more relaxed, a lot more confident as well. Opie's mom is there, I said. She's happy he's not a Nazi, so. She will support anything that isn't Nazism. Can't blame her. You Part take... of me wonders if she wasn't supporting him in absolutely everything the whole time. We almost need an Obi documentary. The only person I haven't been super harsh about is Obi's mom at this point. <laughs> but I, it seems like there might be a little too much unconditional love there. Gabe brings his boyfriend. Everybody looks really chill and happy. They do. They are hoping that in the future... That these Jediisms will be more like conventions instead of gathering. Then we get a cheesy, a nice cheesy shot of um, 
I can't remember who it was, but they're cloaked like they're Obi-Wan Kenobi when they're sitting cross-legged, I guess, praying to the Force or the Rocks. And the movie ends. Last thing I wrote was, but did Paris and Opie fuck? I don't know. We won't know, people. We'll never know. I hope at least Paris got a divorce. 25 is too young to be married. That's just my opinion. Especially to someone who doesn't respect your totally legitimate religion. Yeah. And I'm sympathetic to a guy who wants to make fun of everything. (laughs) But, you know, maybe that's not your guy, you know. But you're also kind of sympathetic to new religious movements. You're like, let's just give this, let's give these guys a shot and see what they do. Well, I'm objectively curious. I'm like a sociologist, you know. Yeah. Uh, an amateur sociologist. Let's let's call ourselves that. Yeah, man. <laughs> now, Johnny, we don't review in a star rating scale. Every night, I go out, and if it's a cloudless sky, I give a finger individually to each and every star that's in the sky. That's how disgusted I am. With stars in general, as a, especially as a reputation, as a representation of rating the sun. I don't think we need it. That might be a controversial statement. It's a star. I hope to get rid of it one day. I feel like you'll get some backlash for that. Replace it with a giant glowing Herzog head. That'd be great. <laughs> but we rate movies and Herzogs one through five. One of us is going to give our one through five Herzogs. The other will give the one through five Herzogs. We will combine, and then the final score will be best out of 10 Herzogs. Johnny, tell me what you thought about this movie and how many Herzogs you gave it. I still don't know what to think about the movie. Bronies was beautiful. It was, you know, much like American Jedi, I expected to just make fun of these people the whole time. And it was surprisingly sympathetic and went into why people join these movements in the first place. And basically, both documentaries claimed that it's just people trying to find a moral compass in a now more or less godless culture, where organized religion is not taken very seriously anymore, and people like dissent a little too much to adhere to a specific dogma. This documentary... American Jedi illustrated that point quite well. However, I did not learn enough about the religion. At least in Bronies, they were not they were not documenting a religion. They were documenting a fandom. But this was apparently not a fandom because they were not talking about Star Wars enough. But it's apparently not a religion because what the fuck do they believe? It seems like a community, which they made it clear that they needed. Anyway, I'm not sure. It's either the fault of the documentary, the documentarians. <laughs> you mean the listeners of the show? It's their fault? No, 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 no. No, wait. That's documentarian, the, not documentarian. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's either the fault of the people making the documentary or the fault of the religion itself. But it did not go as in-depth as I would like to. So either way, I'd have to give it like, I'd say three I okay. give it three stars. Three because it's. Uh, did you mean to say Herzog? Fuck. Careful. We've been we've been saying stars so much <laughs> in this episode. The only time stars are acceptable is when you're reviewing us, giving us five stars on iTunes. Please do that, by the way. Or yes, or whatever other app. Let me rephrase to. that, please. I'm very sorry. Don't kick me off the show, Bobby. <laughs> I would give it uh probably two and a half Herzogs. Okay. Three stars, but two and a half Herzogs. Oh, I see. I see. Well, 
this movie, I'm with you a lot of where you're at. I ended up feeling more sympathetic and more desiring to understand what this path is and what it was be. I was looking for a lot more specifics, a lot like you, and I didn't really get a lot. Real bummer. I kind of went in thinking that I would be like laughing a lot. Like it's like this is going to be like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 situation where I'm just going to be laughing throughout the whole movie. I did get a few laughs out of it, but I ended up kind of having some sympathy for some people involved. I kind of want to be bros with Hannigan. Yeah. I like him a lot more than I expected I would. And, you know, Opie was pretty annoying, but I kind of, I was glad that he found some way to not be a fucking Nazi anymore. Because obviously this guy feels the need to do something. As, as harsh as I am towards Jediism. Let it be you, good for him, please. Yes. And Paris, who was not afraid to voice her trauma and her humanity, probably got the most sympathy. Also, you, there's Gabe. And Gabe, who was probably the best example of a, a positive result regarding doing this. I agree. And I feel like if I had to sit down and talk to anyone specifically about Jediism, he would probably be the best dude to, to go to. But yeah, it didn't really answer a lot, that many questions. Maybe because we come from structured religious backgrounds, we demand that structure of things. Sometimes things are fluid. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to devote your life to something, it has to be there, be be established <laughs> and solid. Yeah. And maybe over time that will become more in this thing. I felt like a, a lot of people that we saw briefly that they were really just LARPing. And as far as like the direction of the movie goes, we pointed out that one bizarre reenactment that seemed very, I understood that was referencing a reference of BDSM, but it, I did, it didn't add anything to the movie. But I'm not even sure who I would recommend this to. I didn't think it was terrible, but it was like barely less than good. You gave it 2.5 Herzogs. I kept going back and forth between two and three. So I'm going to give this movie, American Jedi, by the Marquis, Laurent Malachi, 2.75 uh, a quarter more than what you gave it. I won't say I got nothing out of this movie. Even with Star Wars fans, I would be like, I don't know if I would just throw this around. It's kind of interesting if you just want to, I think for us, people who are curious about new religious movements, you could just jump in. But I don't know if it'll fulfill that much from that angle. I feel like I know less about Star Wars fandom than I did before I watched the movie. I feel like I really just wanted a move, like a documentary about either Opie or Paris, like specifically about them and what they've gone through and where they're going. More You're than really I really. Not a big fan of Hannigan, are you? Hannigan's all right. I think maybe Hannigan and I have a lot in common, so we would hate each other. I, I don't think. I don't think I'm as. I mean, I'm not as like spiritually seeking as a, as a lot of people in this movie. We got a lot of similar personality types in here. And it's just not really my personality type, but they are what they are. I think Hannigan's fine. I feel like a lot of complaints about Hannigan were, it was kind of whatever, because they're talking about like decades ago. Every friend I have will tell, can tell me a story about what a giant dick I was in 2005. So, you know. I'm sure I could tell a few stories about you last year. Or, you know, 2016 or 17. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's about as high as I can go. So, you combine your 2.5 with my 2.75, and that comes out to five and a quarter Hertzogs. 
pretty much a straight up average documentary. I was I was really disappointed. Bronies was so good because it tackled it tackled a lot of issues with toxic masculinity. It tackled the pressure that was placed on men to act macho. And then all of a sudden there's these guys who are absolutely not doing that at all, risking and getting total ridicule yeah. from the public sphere. Ronies didn't have the burden of trying to explain a spiritual path either. It was just kind of uh, the stories were very personal in the way everything came for it. But it also seemed like it had a stronger moral compass than Jediism. So I guess what we're saying is see this if you want, but maybe see Bronies. Yes, please go see Bronies. <laughs> and that was our review of American Jedi by Laurent Malachy. Keep them lightsabers a swinging and keep on a docking. Did you hear that? I did. I don't know what the hell that's all about. <laughs> Where did that come from? Was that a dog? Is there a dog in here? It definitely sounded like a tiny animal farting. All right. Well, we'll just move on. And Opie decided that he had found what he was looking for. The system of honor. <laughs> what? Did you hear that? I did. Richard, was that you? All right, buddy. The bathroom is <laughs> down the hall. I shouldn't serve him so much coffee. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> what is happening? Harris left a Jedi group that she was in for about seven years, and what the fuck is God? Just, just go real quick. We'll be... <laughs> anyway, uh. Good, you didn't lie to me. Your trial of the spirit is complete.